you're listening to the Omega Church Sermon of the Week. Be sure to subscribe to this channel to stay up to date with our latest teachings and feel free to reach out to us via our Facebook page or website. As you listen to this message, we pray God will reveal himself to you in a fresh way. Kingdom of God is here. One more time and strong affirmation. Kingdom of God is here. That is nice. Now we are doing this series on Psalms, so we have come to Psalm 24. Uh, as I said, uh, Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24. These three are called trilogy or a set of three Psalms. So Psalm 22 we saw how the shepherd is crucified for the sheep. Psalm 23, shepherd lives to be with the sheep, to lead, to bless, to provide, heal, to be everything the sheep needs. And, and now we are coming to Psalm 24, where the shepherd is glorified. So we are going to look at it at the, at the end of the sermon, uh, how the shepherd is glorified and how it is connected with our being glorified as well. But I tell you, Psalm 24 is so important and it's, it has got its, its own importance. Imagine a wedding, your own wedding, let's say, and then you expect everything to go well. The cameraman to be on there to take all the photos, somebody's taking the video and capturing every moment. But something goes wrong. Wedding is over, but there are no photos, there's no video to watch. How do you feel? How would you feel if you have no photos to look at what happened during your wedding and there's no video to watch again? But suddenly someone shows up and says, I knew something is going to happen like this, so I have made a painting of your wedding and it has got all the guests who have come to the wedding, everything is captured on that canvas and they present that to you. How do you feel about it? Psalm 24 exactly does that. Psalm 24 exactly does that. We know Jesus Christ is glorified. He's ascended to the Father. He's seated by the right hand of the Father. But where do you have the magnificent picture uh, so clearly portrayed in the scripture? Where? Book of Acts, you see Jesus ascending before the disciples as they watch. He was taken up in a cloud and he was gone. But then what happened in heaven? Do you know? How was he received in heaven? Do you know? No, but Psalm 24 is exactly what King David has done is he was a, as being a prophet, he was able to see Jesus Christ being glorified, being received into heaven. Who is this king of glory? Who is the king of glory? And he tells, O ye gates, ancient gates be lifted up. O doors be opened for the king of glory is coming. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, the Almighty. I think that I will leave it to keep your interest to listen to the rest of the psalm. But I tell you, when I read the psalm, it was looking very dull. <laughs> As I tell you, scripture always, you know, it needs the heart of a gold digger, you know, the one who looks for gold. He doesn't get distracted, doesn't get discouraged just because he didn't find gold by digging in some place, one, two, three places and say, oh, I give up. They pursue it all their life until they find the gold. You know? So we need that kind of a heart. When you study the word, when you give yourself to it, that gold you will receive. 
as you study the word. So we need that kind of uh, heart to study the word. So the whole week, it has been a great week for me to study. And the picture becomes very clearer and clearer as I study more and more. So God's right to rule earth. Then it talks about God's people and then future ruler of the earth. The three different sections in the psalm. The context of the psalm, 24, is 2 Samuel chapter 6. Some scholars may doubt it, but as I studied the psalm, I have no doubt about it. It is 2 Samuel chapter 6. What is happening in 2 Samuel chapter 6? The Ark of the Covenant has been captured by the Philistines and has been restored also. But still it was lying in some place. So King David decides to bring it into Jerusalem. So he goes to the place where the Ark is kept. He goes with 30,000 strong soldiers, young people, young men. Now how many people will be 30,000? Imagine. In those days. It's a big, big crowd. But then there are soldiers trained, and they are the ones who are going to bring the ark up to Jerusalem. Now imagine these 30,000 soldiers marching, um, some in the front, some in the rear, and then the ark of the covenant is being brought on a, a bullock cart. That's how it was being brought. But I tell you, I looked for a proper picture to give, but I couldn't find one, so I had to go for two pictures. So imagine the ark there on the bullock cart. It's being drawn by two bulls. But it has got four wheels. That's the problem there. When it has four wheels, if the bull stumbles and falls, will anything happen to the ark? It is stable. Nothing will happen to it. But in the scripture we see that the, when the bull stumbled, the ark was also toppling. And there were two men who were there, who were, who were in charge. Ahio, A-H-I-O, that's how it is spelled. Ahio, and then Uza, U-Z-Z-A-H, Uza, the two people. So Uza, when he was there, he looked at the ark that being unstable, he reached out and touched it to steady it, so that it will not fall down. And the presence of God, the glory of God came out of the ark and killed Uza there. He lay down dead by the ark. Now, all this big crowd, more than 30,000 people, what will happen if suddenly someone dies? It's not a pleasant situation, isn't it? Then what happens is they don't take it into Jerusalem. Instead, they divert it to another house. Obed Edom is a man. They put it in his house for a while. When the ark was resting with him for three months, Obed Edom's household was blessed. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Why? When the presence of God, wherever the presence of God is there, there will be blessing. Wherever you have the presence of God, there will be a blessing. So that house was blessed. What is meant by blessing there? Is it just about a little bit of peace or some kind of thing? I tell you, every aspect of his life is blessed. His finances were blessed. His, his fields were blessed. His cattle were blessed. His some young servants, maid servants, everybody is blessed. Why? The ark of God is there in that house. Ark of the covenant was there in that house. And the news goes to King David. And he hears that God blessed the household of Obed-Edom. Then what does he decide? He gains courage to go and bring the ark back into Jerusalem. But what is the mistake they have done? Why did Uzzah die? The mistake is, 
I would like to use the word familiarity. Please use the, say the word familiar. Many of us get familiar with God. What is meant by familiar with God? You take things for granted with God. You don't give him the respect that he needs. You don't fear his name. You do not revere his holiness. You come to church and go out of the church as if you just went to a party. And then what happens? What happened to Uzzah will happen. We need to hold him very high. We have to revere his name. We have to hold his name in because he's holy. We have to be aware of his holiness. Why did that happen? Because when it was captured by the Philistines, nothing happened to them. They came and defeated Israelites, carried the ark away, nothing happened to them. They touched the ark, nothing happened to them, no one died. But afterwards, there were people who were afflicted with different kinds of diseases. And then those magicians and chanters, whoever they were, they, they tried to figure out why is this happening. And they were told it's because of the Ark of the Covenant of Israel is in among the Philistines. It should be restored back to Israel. So they said, okay, we will do that. So they brought a new cart. They made a new bullock cart. And they, they also tied a, a, a cow um, uh, that had its young ones. It just delivered. And they tied it to that bullock cart. Will a cow pull a bullock cart? It's not trained for that. And if it has young, will it go straight away without looking for its kids? Cows? It won't. So they made it very difficult. If it is really God of Israel that's put this problem on us, we will know it. If it goes straight, we know it is God. If it is distracted by the cows, we know that it is not God. So they put a test. And they made the new cart, put the Ark of the Covenant on it, and they also made some gold tumors and put it inside as a compensation for being uh, rash with the Ark of the Covenant by st stealing it or by capturing it. They repented and made gold tumors, put it inside the Ark. And then they put it on the new cart. And this cow was just straight, going straight, not going to the left or to the right. And when it came into a certain field, they all rejoiced because the Ark of the Covenant returned. And I tell you, that story is a very beautiful story. No one needs to defend God. Say it to your neighbor, no one needs to defend God. Why? Because God will defend himself. He will defend himself. So then what happens is, when they heard that, this, they, that is how they brought the ark on a bullock cart, new bullock cart, they also made a new bullock cart. And they were carrying it. That's a mistake. Why? It's clearly written in the book of Deuteronomy that it's the Levites who will be carrying on its poles. The, the Ark of the Covenant will have long poles and they have to carry it up on the shoulders and they have to walk and carry it. No one can touch the Ark of the Covenant except the Levites. But here, they were following the Philistines to carry the Ark. Do you understand it? I tell you so many times in the church we have worship and we think that is something great. It is good. Worship is good. But it's not everything. It's not everything. It's not about music. It's not about anything. It is, it is not about how you want to do things in the church. It's about how you will obey God. If God says this is how you run the church, you run the church according to God's laws. Not according to your own system. Not according to your own rules. That is what is important. The church has lost the glory of God because they are doing things according to their understanding. 
They want to run it on a management principles. That is where the mistake is. They want to run it like a business. That's where the mistake is. A situation will come when the church grows. We are only a small number now. When the church grows, we may need a structure. We, we may need people who will be you know, cooperating and uh, working together and then plan and then execute it. But the heart of running the church should be the word of God. When we deviate from the word, we lose the glory of God. We lose the glory of God. May Omega Church not be in that situation anytime in future. This is my prayer. Whether I am there or not there, it is my desire, it is my heart's cry that we will honor God, we will revere Him, we will honor Him, we will worship Him, we will lift Him up because that is why we, that is for what we are called. We are called to lift His name up. We are called to glorify His name. We are called to worship Him. We are called to lift His name. That's the way calling of this church. So now, when they followed the Philistines, put it upon the Ark of the Covenant, what must have happened is like this. Think about this one, of course, don't imagine the man sitting on the cot. <coughs> He's got only one large wheel there. And then one bull stumbles. Leg is bent, it falls. Then what happens to the other bull? Can it go? Yeah, see, certain things, God has given me opportunity to watch. I have seen bullock cart. I have seen a bull fail and fall down. And I have seen the other bull will be standing like this. It doesn't understand what to do. And then sometimes there is this yoke, that bar that is on this bull and that bull. This one falls, that one that, that just goes off, the yoke goes off. It gets free. The Hebrew word used there in Second Samuel chapter 6 is shavuot. Basically, it can mean falling down. It can mean when you fall down, you are also resting. It can also mean free. That means the thing is gone off. The, the yoke that is controlling them is gone off. So one falls down, other is standing free, and then because it is going down, the Ark of the Covenant is also going to fall down. Was it wrong for Uja to reach out and steady it? No. He did what he should do. But the mistake is, they did not know that it is not his job. It is not the job of Uja. It is not the job of Ahio. It was the job of the Levites to carry on their shoulders. They did not do it. They instead used the bullock cart. So the church should know that we have to do it the way God wants us to do the church. We should not ride the bullock cart of the world. Neither should we ride the bullock cart of the other churches. See them and copy them. We are not here to do that. We are here to obey the word of God. To honor him, to worship him, and to glorify his name. We are here to do that. So with that background, with that story in the mind, and remember, when King David approached the Ark of the Covenant a second time, he appointed the Levites to carry the Ark. He learned the lesson. Second thing, Every six steps the people, the Levites took, he offered a bull. So how many sacrifices must have been done on that day from that place to Jerusalem? Thousands of cattle were killed. You know, when I think about this Jewish system of sacrifices, millions of cattle have been slain, the blood has been shed. But I tell you, that has not removed the sin of the Israelites, nor the sin of the whole world. 
the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is able to remove the sin of every man, every woman, every child, every person in the whole world. And in fact, the, uh, in fact, it's said about Jesus that he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That means before God laid the foundation of the world, Jesus was sacrificed. And through that blood, that of Je the blood of Jesus, things in heaven, things on earth are all reconciled. Things in heaven, things on earth are reconciled by the blood of Jesus. See, the way God does things is, he takes a photo before the event happens and gives you the photo afterwards when you miss it. This is how God works. He had the photo of the lambs laid before the foundation of the world. And Jesus comes and dies on the cross many thousands of years later. And then you, got, you get a photo. Before it happened, he has already taken the photo. Psalm 24. This is where it is. Take it. Psalm 22. Sorry. Psalm 22. Take it. And Psalm 23 for you to live. Psalm 24, to worship him, to connect with him. This amazing trilogy, I tell you, the three psalms are amazing. The more you study, the more you will be full of awe and wonder about the will of God. And The very first verse says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That one word, I tell you, I must have spent one whole day meditating upon that. The earth is the Lord's. What is left out from belonging to God? When he, psalmist says the earth is the Lord's, he means everything on the earth. The plants, the mountains, the hills and the oceans and the fish in the sea, the whales and every man, every woman, everything in the world belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's, but it has many implications. Number one implication, Yahweh is the owner of the earth. Who is the owner of the earth? Our God is the owner of the earth. <coughs> we may have many kings and many prime ministers, many presidents in the world. They don't own any country, I tell you. Who owns it? God owns it. He installs kings, he removes kings. He is our God. He is a mighty one. And then second thing, the world is open system subject to reordering by God. If you can say it, please say it. The world is open system, subject to reordering by God. What do I mean by that? When the, when the whole earth belongs to God, God can interfere anytime he wants. He can, at any point of time, he can intervene and do a miracle if he wants to. No one can command him, no one can tell him, God, you do this, you cannot do that. But if he wants to do a miracle, and the Bible is full of miracles, why? Because the earth belongs to him and he can interfere at any point of time and do the miracle that is required to be done. It can be Hannah who is crying out for a child, he gives her a child. It can be Naaman who is crying out for his good skin, God does a miracle to restore the skin. It can be somebody who is blind and crying out, son of David, have mercy upon me. He says, see, and his eyes are restored. Every miracle is possible. Why? Because his world belongs to him. The world belongs to him. Miracles are possible. Miracles indicate that God is the owner of this earth. Moses, when he went before Pharaoh, when there was hailstorm and everything, Pharaoh says, oh, please pray so that these things will not happen. He said, I will go out of the city, stretch my hands up and pray it is going to stop. Why he has to go outside the city? If he's there in front of Pharaoh and prays and it stops, 
Pharaoh can kill for Moses so that he will not create one more problem next time. So he knew the mind of Pharaoh. He said, I will go out of the city. Then I will pray. It's going to stop. Then you will know that the Lord is, the earth belongs to the Lord. The earth belongs to the Lord. So that is so close connection between miracles and the earth belonging to God. When you expect a miracle to happen, when you are crying out to God to have, for a miracle to happen, God can do it because this world is his and your life is his. Your life and my life is his. We basically belong to him. That's why he wants to do a miracle in your life. Do you want a miracle? Tell God. God, everything in the world belongs to you. The earth, whole earth belongs to you. I belong to you. And I need a miracle. He can do the miracle. And then think about, even though the Lord owns the earth and all people, he chose a nation to belong to him. Of all the big nations, God chose a small nation, Israel. Out of all the big mountains, God chose a small mountain that's in Jerusalem. That city built on the, on that, uh, on the hill. Why did not God build his temple on Himalayas and Mount Everest? Because it's not reachable by every, per every person. So he chose a, a small mountain, a small city built on the mountain, Jerusalem, and he put his name there. He put his name there even today. It's not the biggest nation. It may be a powerful nation in, the, in terms of its military capability. It's not the number one slot in the world yet. But it's intelligent. People are afraid of Israel. All the Arab nations have been fighting against it for more than 70 years. They want to swallow it, but they have not done it yet. And recently, uh, a peace treaty has been uh, I mean, established between the Arab nations and Israel. Israel, last year, basically. Year 2020. And in the future, this king of glory is going to come again and establish his rule on that city, Jerusalem, in the second coming of Christ. So it's not yet over. The king of glory is going to come again. It's going to be in the future, very, very soon, very soon. But one more implication of all this, when we say the earth belongs to God, Paul uses the same scripture. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 25, there was a dispute about food offered to idols. Can you eat it or not? In those days, they were offering the animals to God, whatever God, small g, they used to sacrifice it, then sell the meat in the market. So they were saying, oh, it is already sacrificed to a God, so can we buy that meat and eat? So people were saying, okay, if you are a believer, you should not buy that meat. You should not buy that meat. And you cannot eat that meat. That's how the New Testament had the problem. Paul said, earth belongs to God. Everything in the earth belongs to him. So you don't ask any question. Is it offered to idol or not? Don't have to ask the question. Give thanks, it is sanctified, eat it. Today also you in the market, you got, what is it called? Halal. Some Christians are offended about eating halal meat. So they try to look for a butcher who is not doing halal. Doesn't matter. Why? Earth belongs to God. Lord, I thank you for this meat in the name of Jesus. Eat it. That's it. And some things, people have gone to extreme. See, this is where we need to know. Some people have gone to extremes and uh, say, okay, you can eat anything and everything. 
so they eat everything they catch a snake and eat it <laughs> a whale and they eat it whatever you know but some things god says don't do it in the world testament he said don't eat an animal that has its, unless its hooves are cloven and he chews the cud and pig is one of those animals hooves are cloven but does not chew the cud and today the number one problem for many people why does someone get a heart attack after 10 or 20 years of eating pork is forbidden i'm telling you so this is my view you don't have to take it but if you want to take it you'll be healthy <laughs> you won't get a heart attack so i want you to use the discretion in your own mind if god says don't then don't do it at the same time he says do it you can do it if you feel free do it but be be prepared for an operation don't worry about that as well god will take care of you okay now <coughs> i'll skip that one it is not yet over in revelation chapter 7 verse 9 after this i looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and where did i put the scripture here maybe it's for some other verse not this one sorry apologies for that so the earth is lords and everything in it that's verse number 1 the world and all who live in it belong to him and he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters now that is not a very scientific statement but in the future it can be true as well it can be true as well why before in genesis chapter 1 before the earth was formed how was the earth looking it was covered with water and the spirit of god was hovering over the waters it was dark it was without shape void means chaos was there and god said let heavens and the earth be created so he made the heavens and the earth then he said let there be light and then he separated light from darkness and then he said let the waters below be separate from the waters above so you got water in the skies in the in the clouds and you got water in the ocean the land appeared so if you go back to genesis 1 this words this verse still is right but someone may say oh he founded uh, upon the seas and established upon the waters basically in some other version may say he created out of the waters even peter talks about it in the episode that he created the world from the waters it may be true i'm telling it's maybe true right now you don't have the waters that were there in genesis chapter 1 but then it came again in the in the flood during noah's time again it covered the whole earth with water was it covered yes but where is the water today where did the water go the scientists are now figuring out that deep down in the earth the way you look at the soil in the deep down in the earth it can again form into water again that uh, that can uh, that has a str- funny structure to the water molecules and if god wants in one second all that matter can be released into water again and can flood the earth and finish it but there is a comfort here peter says god has not reserved water to destroy the earth but fire so it is not going to be a delusion again like in <laughs> genesis uh, and like in uh, the in in uh, the book of genesis again or during noah's time this time it is going to be fire so not water but anyway that's just if any comfort to you that's <laughs> that's the way to understand it anyway 
So it's not, we are not trying to be scientific in this world, but as a common man observes and understands the world and describes, that is how Psalmist is writing. What does he say? He found it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. That's a common man's observation. Now comes to the important thing now. Verses 3 and 4 and 5. 3, 4 and 5. This is the characteristics of the godly people. Characteristics of the godly people. So verse 4. He that hath clean hands. First question is, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? That's the question the psalmist is asking. So what is the hill of the Lord ref refers to? Usually the, the, the people, they try to establish these temples and things like that on a higher place. Even the heathen tried to build the temples on mountains and hills. This is the man's idea of exalting God. But God chose Jerusalem which is built on a hill. So who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Can you just casually walk into the presence of God? Can you casually go to God? You cannot. As I told you, familiarity is the problem. When you become too familiar with God, you lose respect for God. That's the problem. So here he's asking this profound question. Why is he asking the same profound question? Because he saw Uzzah die when he reached out to touch the ark. Now he's afraid to bring that ark. And now they're bringing the ark to Jerusalem and he's asking this question. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? And now he gives the answer. Who may stand in his holy place? He gives the answer in verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol, I swear by what is false. So he has got few things there. Verse 4, he that has clean hands. That means what you do has to be clean. The work of your hands has to be clean. Whatever you do, job, good things, religious work, it has to be clean. Secondly, he that has a pure heart, not only what you do is right, but your heart must be right. Sometimes your heart can be wrong and you can do right things. But there has to be unity between what your heart says and what your hands do. Both should agree. And then he who does not trust in an idol, you don't look to idols, but revere the one God who created heavens and the earth, Yahweh, Elohim. Elohim is the word used in this. In this psalm, when you look into the original Hebrew, the word uses Elohim and Yahweh. These are the two words used. <coughs> swear, he does not swear by a false God. That tells the truth. Now swearing by a false God. That means whenever you are asked, are you telling the truth? He will put his hand on his head or do something like and swear by the God he believes. Saying, what does he mean is, if what I am telling is not true, may the God do something to me, kill me or whatever. That's how the, they imply um, nowadays we may not have all that in our mind, but we do swear sometimes. We swear by any, any, any name you take, we swear sometimes. No, 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 it is going to be true. I swear by my son, I swear by my mother, you know, something like that, whatever is dear to you. What, what your meaning is, if I am wrong, let them die. That is what your meaning when you swear. But he who swears by false gods is not acceptable to God. So you don't swear. Anytime. In fact, Jesus goes to one step ahead. He says, let your word be yes or no. Anything other, uh, anything other than yes or no comes from the devil. So you need to be very, very clear in it. And swear by false gods. So what is the opposite of swearing by false gods is telling the truth. You tell the truth, you don't need to swear. You accept it, don't accept it, I don't care. I'm telling the truth. 
that's how you should live so when you don't your hands are clean your heart is pure and you don't trust in idols and you speak the truth then what happens that lifestyle brings blessings easy promoting salvation by works no righteousness is belonging to god he uh, he is the one who puts the righteousness upon you when you believe in him when you trust in him we look at abraham's life you look at anyone's life in the old testament they were justified by their faith not by their works it is same today you are justified by faith in jesus christ not by your works but the works must follow your faith if you believe in jesus your works must justify your faith you should be very very clear about that one so now he will receive blessing from the lord and vindication from god is savior so who will justify you god will justify you if your lifestyle is like this so that's that's very very brief i want to just rush together one more thing verse 6 such is the generation of those who seek him who seek your face o god of jacob now who he's talking about he's talking about a generation what kind of generation our generation is talking or the generation that belonged to his time he's talking about a generation who will seek him if you have a lifestyle like that you seek god but when you don't have a lifestyle like that you live apart from god or without respect to god but i tell you one thing i think it was a famous philosopher and a psychologist carl jung he came he used to counsel people and he counseled many 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 hundreds and thousands of people and he himself was an agnostic or an atheist he didn't believe in god but what he said is when the people came to him with problems he studied their life and they studied their problems and how they were able to cope with the problem he came to one conclusion and he said the finite must have an infinite reference point god is infinite you whether he is there or not there does not matter for him but if you believe that he is there it helps you to cope with your life and your problems that's his conclusion but i tell you he is there the world belongs to him you are in that world made by god and if you don't believe in him you are rebelling against him you are not going to receive a blessing not going to receive a blessing so the finite must have an infinite reference point a reference point and that will help you to have a right focus and a right strength to face life now we are coming to the important verse 7 8 9 and 10 now i want people on the left to read verse 7 and i want people sitting on my right to read verse 8 and then people on my left will read verse 9 and then people on my right will read verse 10 so i need to go back few slides for the scripture again okay on the left verse 7 who is the king of uh, was it was nine lift up your heads you gates lift them up you ancient doors that the king of glory may come in was 10 who is he this king of glory the lord almighty he is the king of glory now this psalm is supposed to be read like that one group will say one was others will answer the question now what is that they are asking lift up your heads o ye gates be lifted up you ancient doors so who is he talking to 
is talking to the imagining a city which is fortified has got a gate and people enter through the gate so jerusalem had gates uh, 7 8 12 gates i think whatever number 12 gates as far as i know can be wrong so when you enter through the gate he is personifying the gates that means attributing human qualities to the gates and the walls and everything he is talking as if they are human being and telling them lift up your heads o ye gates does the gate have a <laughs> head to lift basically it has to open isn't it so he is just talking like as he is talking to a human human being he says lift up your head o ye gates be lifted up you ancient doors so gates have to lift up and doors have to lift up basically they have to open the door that the king of glory may come in um verse 8 who is this king of glory is something imagine something like king of uh, england right now queen rather there was a time when there was a king and when he came through the gates he will he will say open the door and they will inside will ask who is it they say king of england is coming and the doors open the doors open and then the king enters the city so same way imagine imagine certain things here the three four things are important things are here number 1 let me go back few more in verse 7 and verse 10 has the same question but receives slightly different answer so what's the answer how does it differ in verse 8 it says who is this king of glory the lord strong and mighty the lord mighty in battle so basically he is a god who is strong and mighty that is his, his nature that is what he does that's what who he is but then he is mighty in battle that is when you go into battle he is the one who fights for you he is the one who fights for you he is your army he is your defense forces basically and um, he is also called lord of sabaoth lord of sabaoth is lord of the armies basically so not only he is the lord of the armies of israel on earth but he is also lord of the armies in heaven all the angelic forces all every everything that is in heaven god is supremely seated he is the commander he is a commander like we call any president of any nation we call him is a he's a commander of the forces army air force and navy god is the commander of all the forces in heaven and when he enters the heaven when he enters the heaven you are saying o ye ancient doors be opened o ye gates be lifted up o ye ancient doors be lifted up be opened who is coming the king of glory is coming is god so when the ark of the covenant is entering into the city of jerusalem he is imagining and asking that city gates to open is asking the city gates to open so this is what once we have second samuel chapter 6 in our mind the psalm becomes easy to understand you lose respect uja died you restore respect come again pick up the ark and bring it is singing dancing you know all with all might in fact you know king david was dancing before god uh, it is something i tell you it my blows my mind how a king can just disrobe himself just lion clothes you know very very minimum clothes and then he was jumping and dancing and jump for hours together until how many hours it will take for the procession if they are offering a sacrifice every six steps and they are offering a bull and if it has to cover few kilometers how many hours it is going to be but the men were celebrating 
the men were celebrating. We need to capture that spirit of King David and his men who are bringing the Ark of the Covenant to the city. When you sing here, you sing so that your next person will not hear. But I tell you, that's not the way to sing. You need to sing with all your loudness that you can sing. You have to sing. And you have to dance before God. And I tell you, one, other, one man of God, he said, when he was struggling with the finances, a, a man of God is a pastor, a large church. When he was struggling with finances, he got a breakthrough. So someone asked him, what's the secret for your breakthrough financially as a pastor? He said, I started dancing before God in my house in the night. And when I started dancing before God, finances began to flow. Was not King David the richest man of his times? He accumulated some tons of gold, tons of silver, without measurement, without counting, so that the, the temple, the future temple can be built. That is what belonged to God, apart from what belonged to him, tons of gold and tons of silver. Is it any wonder when you celebrate God, when you worship him, when you dance before him, when you can sing unto him, things will change in your life. Things will change in your life. You practice for it six months and come and tell me if things don't change, you, you preached a wrong message on that day. You come and challenge me. I am seeing it in my own personal life. As I worship God, saying, holy, 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 holy. I do that for 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day. Things are changing in my personal finances. Things are changing for Seema. We are changing for the family. Why? When you bring that ark into the, when you establish the ark in your, ho in your heart, blessing will come. When you establish that ark in your heart, the presence of God in your heart, and you celebrate his presence, and you worship him, and you exalt him, blessing will come. You will not go without blessing. That's the secret to financially prospering. That's the way to prosper in power, in glory, in whatever. As Omega Church celebrates and sings and worships, this church will flourish. People will hear the name of Omega and come here. Why? They say there is a presence of God in that church. Let us go to the church, that church, because there is a presence of God in that church. That is how Omega should be known. And that will happen when each one of us celebrate God as King David celebrated and his army celebrated, as they sang and worshipped and offered sacrifices. That's the secret of seeing a breakthrough. And then, when the events were happening in Christ's life, a, a week before his crucifixion, he entered into the city of Jerusalem from Jericho. Then what happened? They spread the clothes on the ground, uh, uh, they found a colt of an ass and then they put their clothes upon him and the palm, palm branches, you know, we call it Palm Sunday. And uh, he was riding into the city of Jerusalem. And what is, they were asking, who is this? They were saying, hallelujah, the Lord has visited us, you know. Um, for, I'm forgetting the right word suddenly. Uh, but they were celebrating his entry into, the, into Jerusalem as king. And this is verse 7. Lift up your gates, O ye, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that, that the king of glory may come in. Verse 7 and verse 8. That happened on Palm Sunday. But in Acts chapter 1, when he was ascending to the Father, before the disciples' eyes, he was taken up. 
But what happened in heaven? You don't have a record. Verse 9, in heaven, as Christ enters heaven, the cry goes up, lift up your heads, O ye gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty is the king of glory. He came into the world to make propitiation for our sins, to die upon the cross, the cruel death. But then he rose again, conquering sin and death and Satan. And then he's ascending to the Father. And now the angelic hosts are asking, O ye gates be opened. O ye gates. Sorry. Uh, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up. The angels are shouting one to other. And then another asks, who is this king of glory? He is the Lord. He is the Lord Almighty, El Shaddai. He is a Elohim, El Elohim. He is God. He is God. And he is the king of glory. He's coming back. He's coming back as victorious over sin, victorious over death. And there was celebration. There was rejoicing in heaven. Do you see how this is a painting that King David has painted 1,500 years before Jesus Christ goes into heaven. There's no record like that anywhere in the scripture. There's no record anywhere like that in the scripture. As I was thinking about it, I said, my God, what a revelation King David had. Amazing revelation about how King Jesus in his glory was entering into the city, heavenly city, heavenly city. He has already entered there and he's gone there to make room for you, prepare a house for you, or a building for you, whatever it is, a place for you. And he's going to come back to take us, to be with him where he is. To be with him where he is. That's the hope we have. That's the hope we have. So this song, this psalm is read on ascension of the Lord. That is usually, uh, you've got um, Good Friday, and then you've got Easter, and then you've got Forty days later, he ascended before them and went up, Ascension Day. So this year is coming on, April 2nd is Good Friday, 4th is Easter, and then May 16th is Ascension Day, Ascension Day. So Psalm 24 can be read on May 16th, but we are a little ahead now. <laughs> but when you read that Psalm on May 16th, it will make sense to you to celebrate, to worship, to connect with him, to rejoice in him, to dance in, dance before him. I tell you, when your whole life is centered around God like that, what blessing can be stopped from you? Who can stop a blessing from you? And last of all, this king of glory is standing at the heart of your door. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, and knocking on the door of your heart. If anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he comes in. So you need to open your heart for this king of glory to enter into your city, your life, your heart. When you open your heart, he comes in. And when he comes in, every blessing comes with him. He never comes empty-handed. He never comes empty-handed into your life. When you open your heart and say, Jesus I'm opening my doors of my heart wide. Walk into my heart. Walk into my life. Walk into my heart. Walk into my life. He walks in the same moment. And when he walks in, your life is changed. There's a joy in your heart. There's a strength, new strength. 
and your weak eyes will be light up and your weak knees will become strong. Why? Because the king of glory has come into your life. He stepped into your life. And one final thing. We don't have city gates for the city of Christ Church. Do you have a door and a city anywhere? Around nowhere. Some places you may say, welcome to Mackenzie or welcome to something like this. You know, the district you enter in, you may have a small board there, a notice kind of a thing. But I tell you, we should make this proclamation. We should say in our hearts, what should we say in our hearts? Lift up your gates, lift up your heads, O ye gates of Christ Church. Be lifted up, you ancient doors of Christ Church, that the King of Glory may come in. Who is the King of Glory? The Lord and strong and mighty one, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The Lord of Glory, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. As you make that proclamation, the city will hear your voice and the doors will be opened, the heads will be lifted up and the people in the city will be saved. There is power in the word of God. I tell you, I have prayed this prayer how many times I myself don't know. I have said it, O ye city of Christ Church, open the gates that the King of Glory may come in. I have prayed this prayer several times. So let us say those words now meaningfully and proclaim that word. Let's read Psalm 24 verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates of Christ church. Be lifted up. You ancient doors. Probably I had to go back again put it there for you. Verse 7. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors of Christ church. That the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors of Christ Church, that the King of Glory may come in. Who is he, this King of Glory? The Lord Almighty is the King of Glory, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whoever is listening to this message afterwards as well, please join this kind of prayer for your own city. Whoever is listening from any city in the world, you pray the same prayer for your city. Why? Every city needs to receive Christ, the King of Glory. Let's all say, let the King of Glory come into Christ Church. Let the King of Glory come into my life. Let the King of Glory come into my family. Let the King of Glory come into my business. Let the King of Glory come into my children's lives. Things are going to change, my friend. You, have, you mean it with your heart, things are going to change in your heart. So we have the communion today. Before we go into the communion part, I just want to quickly pray for people. Uh, anybody who has pain in the right hip, you can come forward, we'll pray for you. Thanks for joining us at Omega. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or simply to find out more, please head to our website or Facebook page in the links below.